January 24th, YC-121. Terrorist attacks lead to military clashes in Amar space and a new way to keep track of your accomplishments. All this and more on Talking In Stations Presents The Universe. Greetings, fellow Empyreans. I am Ashrathi, and this is the Eve Universe podcast. I am joined by three others around the horn today. I'm very excited to introduce all of them. Let's go ahead and start with my most recent co-host, <laughs> Pockets DK. How have you been? I've been pretty good, pretty busy, but otherwise great. How about you? Pretty good, pretty good. And uh, what do you do in Eve? I run a small to medium-sized high-sec corp, uh, doing P lots of PVE and, well, the obvious industry stuff. That's pretty much my full-time EVE job. Awesome, awesome. And ever since I started doing the EVE universe again, I wanted to hunt down Mike Azariah and drag him back on. So I'm very happy to have you back. Why don't you tell us a little bit about who you are for those who may not remember? Thanks a lot. For a second there, I was worried when you said, I've wanted to hunt Mike Azariah down. That way his gremlins will never get us. <laughs> Sorry. I'm Mike Azariah, former CSM, may run again, and uh, driver of Operation Magic School Bus and general podcast hot dropper for the most part. I think we might circle back around to the Magic School Bus a little bit later. But before then, why don't we go to our special guest, Arcia. Why don't you tell us who you are and who you represent? All right. So I'm Arcia Elkin of the Alliance and the Corporation Pi. I am a full-time uh, Amar role player, and I mainly do faction warfare PvP in EVE. Pi is a very, very old and storied organization. For those of you who are not aware, it's not necessarily as famous or in the news as often as maybe the Imperium or Pandemic Legion. Well, we would be in the in-game news more often than either. Neither of them are knighted by the Empress. That is, that is correct. Why don't we actually just use that as a nice segue to our weekly update, so that way we can talk about what we've been up to. And uh, since you've already started, why don't you talk a little bit about what you've been up to in EVE, and maybe more importantly, uh, what, how do you see your organization's place in the larger universe? Well, we do play the uh, Empire Loyalists, which doesn't really have as many in-game rewards as like an in-game incentives as going off to Nullsack would do. But we basically play a, a role that we, we're, we're capsuleers who are loyal to the Amar Empire, which logically, like, capsuleers would be loyal to the various nations in the actual uh, New Eden universe because most of these people are born and they're like brainwashed from birth in almost every nation that they're like the greatest. So not everybody would want to go off and be like their own entity, even if they do have the power. That's kind of, that's kind of how I see it. Like we are basically an extension of the Mar empire. And have been for quite some time. Oh yeah. Um, Pi incorporated, which is the, the executor corp in the, Praetorian Imperial Executorious Alliance is the oldest active corp in the game, and it was the third created after the game launched. Yes, very cool. Um, and I know that you all are very proud of those facts. Of course, we're going to go more deeply into uh, the conflicts that you've been part of recently. But other than that, have you been doing anything recently? Have you been doing, running in the abyss or maybe trying to earn back some money that you might have lost during those conflicts? Well, since the conflicts we'll be talking about later have been sort of winding down, I've been settling back into the uh, low-sec war zone, which is honestly a relief to me because I don't really like the high-sec mechanics that um, we had to put up with during the fights. What specifically high-sec mechanics irritate you? So on the Amar side in the conflict between the Amar and the uh, Minmatar forces, obviously everybody declared war on everybody else, so we can actually shoot each other in high-sec. Um, but the Amar side was more like closely split between multiple groups um, to 
get the whole number of our forces. So we'd have like Pi and we'd have like Lumen were two of the main groups, right? And the, the problem with that is if we try to come in together so we have like an equal sized force uh, and our guardians repair one another across the alliance, we went suspect and all these, all the little neutral people could try to pick on our Lodgy. Ah, uh, that problem. Okay, thank you. Yeah. I mean, everybody was declared war on everybody else, so it wasn't neutral logic, but it was cross-alliance logic. It's funny because uh, Pockets and I ran into basically the exact same problem, but in a pre-PBE encounter uh, not too long ago. I, and I'm going to use that to segue to Pockets and ask him, what have you been up to this last week? Uh, yeah, so last, well, I guess it's been two weeks now. A lot of it's still focused on the FOB preparations, so we kind of restructured our Dominic's fit, so I rebuilt all those. We actually managed to run, as you alluded to, two FOBs in one night, which was pretty big for us, moved along. And outside of that, just trying to do some restructuring uh, based on the issues with high-set combat and split corpse like we saw, uh, we decided to restructure a bit of the internal stuff in Malro. And so I've been working on that when I'm not working and doing all my real life stuff. And when I find time running the abyss, uh, nothing exciting there, but just running some abyss stuff. I may point out that FOB is short for forward operating base. Yes. Yes, that is correct. That is a uh, mechanic, the, for, the pirate forward operating base, which we delved into more extensively on the previous episode. Uh, which you can check out on talkingestations.com. And that voice that keeps chiming in and so interested in high sec, Mike Azariah, what have you been up to? I've been doing the usual, driving uh, Operation Magic School Bus around the systems. I just finished the 12 days of Christmas over the holidays, where I handed out about $5 billion in assets to various people, including I even did stops at uh, the trade hubs, except for Jita, because Jita was totally silent for some reason. I'm um, doing my best in rookie help chat. I uh, don't know if you caught it on Twitch today, but I tweeted, we seem to be getting a lot more trolls in rookie help chat lately. So I was bemoaning the fact that I'm having to use my block button more than I like to. I did see that. Um, what, what kind of disruption are you seeing? So normally... Uh, there's ISD in the rookie chat that is able to police things up, but you're right. Things do kind of uh, pop up from time to time, but are you seeing like people fighting? Are you seeing people give out bad information? What, what kind of disruptions? I've seen bad information. People saying you absolutely positively have to pay code. For example, I've seen people uh, saying to move Plex, put it in your ship. But the ones that bug me the most are the ones who pretend to be newbies and start with the memes of how do I undock and uh, FC what do, that sort of thing. And are just, it's noise in the channel, which uh, if you're a vet, sure, you can read a scrolling channel. But if you're a brand new player to this, you ask a question and 15 things pop up in between where people are comparing the size of their EPIN. It kind of uh, blocks the person from getting a straight answer or even being heard to have asked a question. That's a really good point. And unfortunately, I mean, like rookie chat is one of those things that's extraordinarily important. You know, these people, uh, in a lot of ways, a rookie player isn't a real player yet. You know, so picking on them is like, it'd be like going up to somebody who's just reading their book on chess and then like smacking him down because you're a chess master and making him feel bad because they, they haven't even finished the instruction manual yet. You know, um, that's just not, that's not cool. Eve is a hard game to get into. I remember when I first started like, uh, 2010 and it took me like a week before I figured out how to like jump out of a system. Yeah. I've been making, uh, lesson videos for a few things uh, on my list to do right now is how to repair your ship is a really common question. And there's too many answers for that, for it to be a one-line answer in rookie help chat. That is uh, one of the biggest problems when it comes to giving advice to a new player. Often uh, what they want is an answer. And what you do is you give them options and uh, newer players can't process that yet. So, Often I will just give people one solution. Like this is how you do the thing that you want to do. 
and other people will come in and like try to add extra stuff or try to say some better way to do it. And it's like, look, man, let's we can get to that later. Let let's understand the concept and then we can expand upon that. It's not like somebody's going to have difficulty learning that there's a second hotkey once they figured out how the first hotkey will work. But if you say, well, you could do this and this, now their brain is trying to remember two things instead of one at the same time, which isn't really good cohesive for learning, as it were. Yeah, and it's a lot of it, you do want to be complete. So they don't think it's a simplistic game, but you want to be complete in a way that doesn't drive them away with the complexity. But the complexity is what actually attracted me to Eve to a certain extent was it's not a uh, tell me what the fit of the day is and I'll fly that and win the game. What's the right path to get to the end game? Right, exactly. No, yeah, you definitely don't want them to think like there's like if somebody asks what is the best ship or what is the best frigate, you don't want to be like fly a Tristan, nothing else. That isn't what I'm talking about. But when somebody says like, how do I warp or how do I do something specific that might have multiple avenues towards success? leading them towards success first, then explaining the complexity is often a better way of, uh, of educating. But either way, we have digressed. Uh, <laughs> I am Asherathi, uh, and I am now, I've spent the last week be, or two being a proud line member of Pockets's uh, Mauro Corporation, which are, is a pretty amazing group of guys. And I've actually caught myself mining uh, mining enough that I actually caught myself mining in a Hulk yesterday. So I'm not sure what's going on anymore. But uh, I, I did run the Abyssum uh, enough until I lost uh, my really, really valuable Gila to a Tier 4 Firestorm with four Starving Lashaks, two Entangling Lashaks, and a Striking Lashak. And no, I'm not bitter. Definitely not still. Absolutely not. <clears throat> but uh, at least it happened on stream. Uh, which if it hadn't have happened on stream, I probably would have been triple upset because at least somebody, people got to see it. It got to be enjoyed. And more importantly, I have a recording of it so I can go back and and find all the little ways that I messed up. So maybe it doesn't happen again. The first of which being, you know, running firestorms. So uh, anybody else run any abyss this week, by the way? I ran a few, uh, my Gila, probably six or seven actually. T3, various ones, gammas and electricals mostly, but pretty lackluster loot actually this time around. Oh, me and, uh, oh man, Torvald, I think is, I know, I know his name, but like it's at any rate, whatever, uh, the exact pronunciation. At any rate, um, he and I ran, uh, I think it was level three electricals, um, in retributions. We duoed it. And those are really fun, too. Like, the Hawks are pretty cool. uh, But the Retributions, I think that the Retributions are better when it comes to, like, learning how to play. Because you definitely feel where if you make a mistake, you could die. Whereas the Hawk is probably way too overpowered for what it does. Um, But more importantly, the way that you pilot the Retribution is more determined on your success with it than uh, you than I saw with the hawk. Um, either way, that's about it for our what's what we have been up to. So let's go ahead and jump into the first big topic, which is why we have our special guest. Which is uh, there has actually been an ongoing lore event. Uh, one of the funny things that I see is every once in a while, fairly frequently, actually, at least once a month, I see somebody on uh, Reddit or uh, some forum or Twitter bemoaning the fact that Eve does just doesn't do lore anymore. There's just nothing happening in the lore anymore. And it, it, it always boggles my mind, but even more so recently because we've been getting lore updates like almost to a rate of once a week to at sometimes once a day since October. Yeah. I've been impressed with the rate it's coming out. Yeah. Delicate zero has done a good job. Yeah, exactly. Um, And so this whole thing started with Crimson Harvest and those of us who were just doing the event probably missed all of these connections. If you weren't reading all the blogs and all that stuff, but this brewed into something that got bigger and bigger and bigger and came into a pretty significant climax recently. 
Uh, and without further ado, I'm just going to hand it over to Arcia, and you go ahead and tell us what actually happened. If we go back to the time about Crimson Harvest, what had happened was the Blood Raiders, um, there was a Blood Raider attack on a Canon Kingdom planet uh, in the system of Kaha. And the they used a special kind of like drug that made like the slaves on the planet like revolt. Um, it's like a mind altering substance called a death glow, right? And hold on, just real quick uh, to tie this all in, death glow is the material that they introduced at that same time during the Crimson Harvest event, which is the stuff that we use to build our accelerators, right? So that same stuff that refines into death glow, we use to build our accelerators. Right. So the death glow made the, basically the, the populations on the ground go mad and the slaves are revolting. And in the Conid kingdom on Kaha three, um, the Conid forces were like brutally putting down the, re the revolts. Um, they were not, they're not denying that, but the estimate, the estimations outside of the kingdom were like millions and millions of people died. And there was some, um, some like little kerfuffling on the in-character forms on the official E forms, the intergalactic summit between an NPC dev actor uh, playing the part of Alara Chalkade, uh, Saber and Chalkade, um, who is a Con Kingdom official that actually has some history that goes back to the Amar tournament. And we were gurring at him then too to some degree, but um, basically there was, there was a, a lot of kerfuffling between um, various personalities in the RP community around that planet. And then uh, Ashra Khan, which is a Minmatar faction warfare alliance, had like an event that was kind of the climax of the Kaha chapter of this whole thing, where they, they brought like a, a freighter of stuff that they wanted to land on the planet. And there was a, a live event around that where like uh, a um, Conid Navy Aeon in high sec showed up and killed the freighter. And then there was a big fight between some of the Amara forces and the uh, the Capsuleers and the Minmatar Capsuleers. And the Minmatar Capsuleers actually suicide ganked a NPC Concord um, uh, marshal. Right. So there's a, a, an NPC Marshall kill mail that they have that's actually really cool. Let me take a step back to see if I understand this. It starts with in game, no, sorry, uh, out of game news reports. Right. But then it's, it's followed up upon by an operation that's conducted by players, right? right. Urshikon's a player organization. Did, did Urshikon coordinate with CCP before this operation? No, what they did was they boasted about it on the Intergalactic Summit forums, right? And that's why the Amar Capsuleers and CCP showed up to do something about it. So so basically, the CCP starts talking about this thing. Urshikon says, we're going to do something about it. Everybody shows up, and then NPC player actors get involved, including an Aeon. And I guess, apparently, Concord gets involved, too. Concord was protecting the planet because landing on the planet was vi violating the sovereignty of the Canon Kingdom, basically. So Concord was like, you can't do that. And then they suicide gang Concord. Amazing. So after that, the Kaha chapter kind of kind of died down, but then there were more Blood Raider attacks following that NPC on the forums, Chakhade, in various planets closer to the heart of the Amar Empire. Um, the, the worst affected one being the planet of Thebeka 3, um, which is where most of the fighting has gone on. Now, how do you know that there's more Blood Raiders attacks at this point? Have we gone back to news articles at this point? Yeah, there were more news articles. There were five, there were, I think, five planets affected. Uh, one in Thebeka, one in Alcasby, one in uh Daka and um, I forget I forget the others, but I think they were more minor. But um, the Becca was the Becca three was the worst one of the bunch. It's a artist Shapur world, um, and it's three jumps from Amar Prime, right? And what ended up happening was various player forces, um, uh, whether they be Amar or 
Minmatar started setting up like citadels over the uh, citadels and mobile depots over the planet in like attempts to help the side they wanted to help on the ground. They'd be like, oh, this mobile depot is a satellite. This is our staging citadel. We're sneaking in weapons, right? And you'd like you'd like kill one of their ships and they'd have like small arms in the ship they were trying to sneak down to the planet. Small arms or nuclear small arms? Not just like small arms. <laughs> like guns. Don't laugh. There any if there is nuclear small arms. Yeah. As long as nobody's smuggling in walnuts, I'm sure they're fine. Yeah, you can't do that anymore, Empire, right? You have the banned walnuts. But basically, there was a bunch of a series of fights over citadels and a series of small gang like fights that happened like on gates and around depots. And it culminated in the biggest battle, um, which was like a 130 person uh, RP battle over the whole timer of a citadel. And that was like the biggest, like completely like RP battle that I've ever seen since I've been playing. And it was kind of like nuts because there was like 50 people on both the Amar and the Midmatar side. And then there was two third party groups that kind of threw their hats into the ring and just started shooting at everyone. So I'm going to ask a question and I really hope that I don't come off as too disrespectful because I actually really like the RP community. Uh, what is the difference between a normal battle and an RP battle? Is it the same thing and you just say forsooth beforehand or what, what makes it different? In one respect, you can say everything that happens in space has, is actually happening in EVE. So every battle is an RP battle. You could say that. But basically, it's from our perspective, right? It's all these people and there's there's just tons of like characters that you know and you know like you've seen these characters develop and you like care about these characters and you have personalities and they're all like conflicting with each other. Like as an RPer, when I just blap somebody random in the war zone, it's kind of whatever. But if I'm in like even like a frigate versus frigate fight against like another RPer and I like know this person, we shit talk each other on the summit in character, it's like it like increases the stakes by so much. It counts for more. Yeah. Like it's basically just about a narrative of a story. And that that clearly does happen with every every fight, every campaign in Eve, but we tell a different kind of story. Sure. I also um I read at one point during the reinforcement of a Raitaru or something, there was an apostle. Uh, yeah, that was during during um, the armor timer of the of our master cars, uh, uh, right? He was an amatar who was uh, fighting against the the Amar actually, and the apostle was an NPC dev actor from the Order of Saint Tetramon who stripped him of his amatar status and banished him. So he's not amatar anymore. Again, pretty amazing. But so when these things happen. And like RP actors come and get involved in an on in a in a real player conflict. Um, are there people that are sore about that? Do they? Oh well, you only won because you had an Aeon on your side in high sec. Or is this something that everybody really appreciates the fact that you know CCP goes the extra mile to bring um, like true you know noticeable RP elements into it? Um, there are cases like I think most people who are involved enough to be um, participating in these specific events appreciate the effort. Because, um, like, with the Apostle, like, it didn't repair us, for instance. But, like, obviously the Aeon did kill the freighter. But lore-wise, they weren't about to say, oh, you landed the freighter and, and killed the Conid guards. Of course, the Navy's going to respond. Yeah, I'm sure that freighter pilot while sad that they lost the freighter, will cherish that kill mail for the rest of their career. Absolutely. And I am from the, the people who I spoke with are all ecstatic about getting that, that gank on the, the Concord Marshall, the NPC dev actor Marshall, because they got, they have a kill mail for that. Now that was just this random Marshall from actually Concord, like the corporation. Well, that's truly wild too, because that brings up other questions like, 
was he actually a capsuleer? Because a lot of uh, them would be baseliners. They would be capsuleer. That one character would be a capsuleer, yeah. Because there was a pot afterwards. Ah, so if Concord's secretly capsuleers, then who the Watchmen's watching the Watchmen. <laughs> it makes sense that there would be capsuleers as well as baseliners in the organization. Obviously. I mean, Reich, Matashi Reich is right, on the yeah. inner council and he's a, he's a capsuleer. I was just joking around. So, right, yeah. But okay, so beyond all that, there is also, uh, was it a scope video that came out? that specifically called out three different systems as the Mimitar began to put up a blockade. Oh, yes, yes. That was um, af after the events of Kaha, the Galente Federation and the Mimitar uh, Republic put sanctions on the Amar Empire and the Khanid Kingdom. And like, while the second string of Bloodraider attacks were going on, the Mimitar Republic started massing a fleet on the borders that was in Aga, that was in Vard, and what was the third system? It was Aga, Vard, and another system that I forget. And they're basically threatening, hey, they're like, hey, let's maybe we can kick the Empire when they're down. But then the Empire responded by putting its army on Arzad, Cormonin, uh, and another system, right? Right. So they, they were in space and people engaged like the NPCs and of the actual army and such too. Yeah. Which I thought was pretty cool. I really like the idea. I, I'm always getting happy every time there is an in-game correlation with something within the news that I don't know. There's something about that that just vibes with me. Yeah. Let's see. Is there anything else really uh, to, to pull from this? Oh, I had another question, which is right before all of these attacks, there is this weird kind of moment where the Antaki identified a religious leader as a slave within the Kana kingdom and demanded them back and the holder denied it. And this happened just like literally moments prior to these terrorist attacks starting. Um, is, is there any suspicion of correlation between these two events or do you think it's poor timing or do we think that we might get any follow-up from that? It's a good question. And now that they're going into like the Kaldari uh, side of, of like the next step, that's, it's probably all going to come around to be related, but um, it's consi considering the Amar and Minmatar conflict in the Becca is kind of dying down and they're, doing this stuff in Kaldari space now that maybe maybe something is going to come of that. Yes. So there's most recently there was a piece in the news about the uh, the state catching uh, Galente operative who is using a virus that affects cybernetics, uh, if I recall right, correctly. Right. Yeah. Uh, which is actually a throwback to an old story from about 10 years ago, which is something that CCP has really, really been like a big thing for them is going back and finding like a chronicle, some obscure chronicle from like 12, 15 years ago and making it suddenly super relevant. They have long memories. Yeah, yeah. but CCP, you have to assume like everything's related because a lot of the stuff with the Chalkade and the Blood Raiders who seem to be at his beck and call, actually, um, a lot of it started back with the MR tournament when the Conid team, one of the nominated... Uh, potential champions who didn't go on to be the champion was a well-known blood raider. Uh, and that's kind of where it stems from actually, because we, back then he, he was called out by various people and, and he came back and then all of a sudden basically blood raiders seemed to hit all of his enemies. Like something amazing that CCP did is that some of the characters that, Chalkade was fighting with um, like they have like Wikipedia pages that they made about the character's backstory they looked up like the character's backstory and then they like hit like places that like their families would have been so like they're like researching the characters <laughs> that the people have made and then like targeting them specifically so CCP is studying our lore yes to make sure their lore is consistent when possible 
Oh yeah, because one of one of the characters at the heart of um, the conflict was Samara Kerner, who was a a Minmatar who used to be in Pi, and now is kind of like a an Ardishaper style heretic, and she's probably one of the best role players I've ever seen in any game ever, and her wikipedia page is like a mile long for her character and it's like really amazing and well thought out and amazing and stuff and they like bombed where like her family would have been in in uh wrens oh dear so i bet she's really upset then well what, what happened was she and another uh capsuleer uh actually attacked chalkade which is kind of when um like the cho- attack the holdings of Chalkade. And that's kind of the point at which she started fighting with the other Amarians, like completely like point of no return because we didn't have like, from our, our perspective at the time, we didn't have like the evidence yet to start being the judge, jury and executioner kind of. And like, even though it's kind of obvious that Chalkade is controlling the blood Raiders, we have to think like a Marian. That is a lot. Once again, uh, Eve proves itself to just be the just a crazy rabbit hole. Every time you you ask what you think to be a simple question, uh, suddenly you are aware of just how little you actually know. To insert just for a second. I've sat down with CCP Falcon and a few others who do the lore on the uh, CCP side. And once you get them started, they start waving hands and getting, you can see that there is a fire in some of them to do as much as they can. And, but they also have to do their regular jobs, but they do know connections and they do have a memory that goes back 10, 15 years and remember all the stuff and try to tie it forward. So um, a lot of it may be a labor of love on the CCP side. They don't have a lore team, but they have people in there who pretty much are. Yeah, that's pretty much how we, we think it is. That's a really good point. Um, I know a lot of people are, you know, we're, we're kind of upset when we stopped getting as many scope videos. And every time they release a scope video, everybody kind of makes a big uh, hubbub about it. But remember, most of the time, those scope videos are completely a side project, right? There's nobody, nobody's getting paid and then told to go do scope videos for us. I was a little salty that when uh, Empress Jamil was murdered, they had a scope video and not an Amar certified news video. Grr. I I can understand that frustration. I also think that they should do more CDIA files, especially on like the main characters to really start, start fleshing them out. But now we are really in the weeds. So I think that it's uh, probably time for us to package this topic up and move on to the next one, unless you've got anything else you want to throw out there before we do. I think I, I covered it a lot. There's, I could talk forever, but I think I probably said enough for the layman. Would it be possible for you to come on another time so that way we can maybe piece this out in a more in a d- digestible chunks? Uh, yeah, if people are interested, of course. Very cool. Listen, listeners, I would suggest that you send in questions that we can then give to this uh, young lady and um, go in the direction you might want to learn about. Absolutely. Go ahead and tweet me at Ashtarothy. Um, I will probably set up, I think I need to set up an email for this. Actually, I think I already have one, but I'm not sure. I'll have to double check and get back to you guys. In the meantime, you can tweet me at Ashrathi, um, and I look forward to having you back on soon to talk even more about the unfolding lore. The one thing I can take away from this conversation is, uh, as I said in the beginning, the lore is way more active than I think a lot of people give credit for. A lot, Like a lot of things in EVE, Engagement in the lore takes a little bit more effort than I think a lot of people expect going into it. But also like Eve, if you're willing to put in that effort, it seems far more rewarding than many of the other offerings out there. Would you say that's pretty fair? I think it is. All right. So now we can transition on to our next topic, which is the activity tracker. 
Uh, recently, CCP has released a brand new activity tracker, which allows you to keep track of uh, which mine, which ores you have mined, which abyss sites you've ran, which faction warfare uh, areas you've gone into, and which systems you've entered, or at least how many. Um, some people have liked it. Some people have not. Some, a lot of people have said meh. Um, it isn't quite achievements, but it has come a long ways when it comes to helping you remember or at least have a record of what you have done. Uh, have you all at least played with the activity tracker? What is your what is your gut feelings? What is your top level feelings about the activity tracker? Initially, my feeling was turn off the damn notifications because it didn't start with your history. It started from when you started now. And so it was pinging me every time I was doing something. It says, wow, you've gone to a new system. No shit, Sherlock. Uh, and I didn't need to get pinged notifications for that. Now I am interested a little, but not as much. I'm not ever a um, an achievement whore. Yeah, it is true that there were a few challenges uh, with its rollout. Not only, there was a bunch of people that were frustrated with the fact that you do restart from scratch. Um, there is also... Man, I can't remember, but there was a couple other problems. And, and then most recently... Um, they have made it so that the activity tracker is on a windowed mode, which I personally really like because I don't like any of the screens that make it so that you can't be doing the main stuff. It makes me very nervous when I'm flying and I, uh, and I don't even have access to my HUD. Uh, so pockets, what have you felt about the activity tracker? I like it a lot. I liked it. I like it a lot better now that it's a windowed mode. I felt the full screen kind of felt weird. Uh, same. I have the same problem with the Nest Store where it takes a full screen and it feels more clunky for some reason. But now that it's in a window, it just seems to work better. Maybe that's just me and a mental thing. Uh, and I do. I'm kind of an achievementy guy. And up until they released the activity, activity tracker, I was kind of focusing that on skins. Uh, so this does kind of, I'm sitting there looking at looking at it right now, and it's like, oh, I should go do some PvP because my, my capsular combat is only at one. Uh, it would have been cool to see everything I had done up to this point, but then a lot of it would probably actually be filled in completely, and there'd be nothing left for me to do. It is interesting that the amount of effort it takes to fill in some bubbles uh, do not seem to be representative of each other, or they don't seem to be balanced very well. Um, for instance, I got my non-capsular damage and bounties and destruction within about two days of ratting uh, pretty casually. But at the same time, we have run like five or six pirate strongholds, which I think to be is pretty significant. And that just gives us tier one. I've actually got, you know what, I've got tier three, but I think that's because you've been flying a booster and haven't been applying damage. That's correct. As much as I have. I've got tier four electronic warfare from Capsular Combat for just like warp scrambling people. Yeah. Um, so there is definitely, and CCP has asked for feedback about different granularity and stuff. Um, I've brought up a couple of them, uh, but there definitely are others. So if you are doing your, uh, if you're just going about your day and you're, you think that there should be a distinction, go ahead and send an idea over to CCP. Uh, but uh, Arcia, have you have you gotten much use out of your activity tracker yet? Not really. I'm I'm just kind of looking at it now, and I I kind of like immediately turned off the notifications because I was like getting tired of being told I went to a system or that I killed somebody. It's interesting that uh, so like normal game design would say that a lot of people like being rewarded by bings and bombs and stuff like that, but Eve players have a tendency to not be respond to reward structures in the same way as a lot of other players I have found. For those of you suddenly curious as to how to look at this, if you have turned it off, Alt-V opens up your activity tracker and then you can go, oh, look, I'm in level three at something I didn't even pay attention to. Sorry, Ash. No, 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 thank you. Uh, so, Mike, have you, uh, have you actually used your activity tracker? Has it led you to... Uh, has it spurred you to do anything or caused you to change your behavior in any way? Or has it basically been a background thing? 
it's a background thing for me. I have what I do, and then I look to see, um, like, in NPC combat, I'm at level four mainly just from running the last couple of events. I go out and shoot things or running abyssal space. Right. So it's not something uh, that I chase. It's just something, like, like you said, for me, it's a bing bong in the background. That's very interesting. So as, as an achievement guy myself, I find it incredibly valuable. Um, the idea of there being a ton of checkboxes that I can go through and check off is just another thing uh, that helps me stay engaged, very much like certifi certificates or finishing skills, which is another thing that makes me really confused because generally speaking, um, there is a certain amount of accomplishment or you know the collection of accomplishments that is inherent to Eve. And yet uh, a lot of people have not really been biting onto this activity tracker. So I guess my question is, is there anything about it that you feel is missing or could be useful to you? Well, I think in the nature of Eve, that Eve is a game where everybody kind of makes their own purpose and finds their own enjoyment out of the game. And the activity tracker seems to kind of not be so like customizable. Maybe if you could try to figure out like what kind of stuff you actually want to pay attention to like um just just filling up something was never really never really done it for me that's why I like have like the skill restrictions I have like the ship restrictions and all that that I that I impose on myself and my alliance imposes on itself and like it's just kind of this thing and here it is and it's, it's not personalized that makes sense. Um, I, for me, it would be a lack of like actual full-blown like achievements. Like it's, it's good to be able to slowly grind up X number of damage in combat or know how much healing I've done. But it would also be cool if there were one time, uh, you know, you have done this and therefore you now have this thing, which leads me to my other point which really boggles my mind about the activity tracker, which is that basically it's not exposed anywhere. It's not on the API. Uh, you can't really show it to anyone. And so it seems incredibly, uh, dare I say, masturbatory to have you know this, this collection of all of the nice things that literally only you can look at. It's a trophy room that only you can go into. Um, and I, I, I think that a big value of this might be able to be the fact that people can prove their worth or at least show their history beyond a killboard or, um, you know, something along those lines. How would you suggest sharing it? Well, um, in, in the same sort of way that, well, you, either you could put it in an API so that people could like voluntarily add it to a board, uh, just like a killboard. Or you could, if you wanted to do it to be an in-game mechanic, uh, you could have it be accessible be by permissions, just like medals are, right? So you can say either everybody can watch it, or look at it, my friends can look at it, or a whitelist can look at it, or whatever. Um, but, you know, give people the at least the option of making it available, uh, because that's a pretty common thing in a lot of video games, I would say. It would be neat to see who's the most well-traveled. There's a few people who tried to hit all the systems or circumnavigate. Um, the, the highest killer is usually uh, spottable on Zed kill and that sort of thing, but it would be neat to see the highest NPC killer. I wonder if the botters would be against that because they would start ranking fairly high fairly fast. That's an interesting point, uh, using that as a mechanic to find who is... Uh, the the top dog in certain in specific areas to see who who you need to target. Uh, but okay, so it sounds to me like uh, it is. I mean, nobody sounds like they're upset about it. But for about half of our our, our panel, it's kind of a meh, and for the other half, it seems kind of valuable. Uh, Pockets, you've been quiet. You said that you liked it, and then you haven't talked since. So before we wrap this up, why don't do you have any other uh points that you want to drive home yeah i mean you guys pretty much nailed all the problems and benefits i've seen it as well i don't know i'd say for me personally maybe skins for some of the tiers just some special stuff that you can show on your ship but i may be biased because i like skins 
But yeah, overall, I think it's a positive thing. I, I think it's going to help new players a little more than the veterans that we seem to have in this room. I think a new player may find this a little more valuable as a, hey, there's some, these are all things that I get to look forward to, right? So yeah, uh, a lot of people have suggested that um, having some sort of skin or other benefit that you get only by completing specific things. And I, again, this goes back to that instinct of, of people wanting to be rewarded for their effort, which makes a, a ton of sense. Um, it might even be interesting to go back to some of those old skins that aren't really worth selling anymore and so got took off the market but are uh kind of interesting like maybe even like the lore ones where they're attached to a specific organization people might want to rep uh artishapur or uh Kane more yeah or sarum yeah. yeah as a member of team sarum in the amar tournament i approve exactly exactly right. but um they should be in lp stories for that i think but that's another story yes i've 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 talked about that before. Um, obviously, I, yeah, I, I've, I've actually said that LP store and then also you get enough standings with those organizations. But unfortunately, that isn't how the LP store works. Right. Barring that, I think it might be interesting to bring them back as at least a token award for some of these uh, for some of these tasks. Maybe even tie it to race. So if you're a Marian, then you collect Amarian faction races, uh, skins for your ship. I don't like that idea so much. People, <laughs> people might make a character that's ethnically something and then have like an idea that it's actually supporting something else. Right. But my point, there are always ways of getting those things through other, well, you're right. It, there's, there's things to, to work out. I just like to also reinforce the, the racial thing. And, and CCP has, played with ideas of reinforcing the racial side of things. Um, like for instance, a lot of the rewards now, when they get, when they give out rewards for things, they generally give you a racially focused reward to your, to your chosen. Oh, race. like with the Christmas stuff with the, the, the crystals. And yeah, yeah. 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 Well, and then also like during the alpha event, they gave the racial books either way. I digress. Um, I think it would be interesting to use, you know, maybe, maybe easier to produce skins like those old, just recolors and bring them back, bring, let them, let us get them as rewards for getting some, uh, chiefs because everybody likes to get chiefs. Although apparently according to today's panel, half of us like to get chiefs. Right. And uh, all right, so that's our big topics for the day. We can wrap it up. Do you guys have any shout outs or things to go over? Who do you, uh, do you have anybody that you want to especially thank, Arissa? Arcia, my bad. Um, I want to thank uh, everybody who participated in uh, both Kaha and Becca on all sides involved. It's very cool. Keep the lore alive. Keep doing stuff. I, I'm excited to see what they do on the Galente Caldari side. Yeah, um, they need they need Laura because um, a lot of the stuff ends up being Amara focused, and that's one of the complaints some people have. So I think it's really good that they get some some nice events for elsewhere. Oh, I'm sorry. I had one more question before we wrap things up uh, that I wanted to ask you. Since you're so in touch with all of this lore stuff. Uh, as an outsider, often um, we we see a big lore event like this, and we assume that it's leading towards something like Kyanoke event leading towards Fan Fest, the uh, the the data caches leading to the release of the Triglavians, uh, so on and so forth. Do you get the feeling that this is this is one of those things where they're leading towards some sort of bigger thing or do you feel that this is just uh, uh killing time <laughs> what how do, how do you feel that this is working to them as, as like a bit on the business or like the bigger side of the, the overall game well anything I'm, i would say is speculation but if i was gonna 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 hope and dream that i want a, a faction warfare uh rebalance and doing uh empire focused uh conflicts would be the way I'd, I would do that, right? 
I'm glad that you said that because I didn't want to be the only one out there whispering. And obviously it's nothing besides baseless speculation, right? And it's Absolutely. not even not even speculation because I don't expect it, but that's that would be my hope and dream. Like my Of course. Yeah. Yeah, we're not saying that there's a faction warfare rebalance coming, but if there was, this is the kind of way that they would herald it. Mike, do you have any shout outs? One main shout out just connected to the discussions we've had tonight, and that's to the lore people on the CCP side. And because I was complaining about rookie help chat, to the ISD who do show up and try to run that circus and tame some of the monkeys. So mainly my shout out is to the uh, CCP people who actually go the extra mile and try to keep us going in a direction other than just push F1 and get bacon. Pockets. Uh, I'd like to thank you, Ash, for the last few weeks, uh, helping to keep the Malro ship on the right path while I'm dealing with some large real-life things. So thank you. Aw, we'll see if you still say that after the coup. And <laughs> You wouldn't be the first to try. <laughs> I would let... No, I, I do not want to be in charge of anything for a little while. My uh, shout-out is to Streamfleet. Those guys and gals work so hard to be one part uh, marketing team for EVE Online, one part uh, content creators for us, and one part support for anyone who's interested in doing anything creative uh, in EVE. They recently just did a big tournament, uh, or at least a big enough tournament to be interesting. Um, and they are always doing some pretty cool stuff. So if you are interested in just, you know, seeing random Eve stuff, everything from, you know, me talking about lore or somebody doing low sec roams or how to do crazy level mission, level four missions or whatever, uh, there's people all throughout stream fleet doing really cool stuff. And I really appreciate an organization that helps keep all of us coordinated or at least talking. <laughs> I do the low sec roams. <laughs> There you go. See? All right. And with all of that said, on behalf of Arcia, Mike Azariah, Pockets DK, and myself, Ashtarathi, this has been the Eve Universe podcast. Thank you all for listening, and we'll see you in space. <laughs>